0: today was so freaking hard and stressful
1: yeah what up with your computer man
0: it's not the computer it it was our internet our internet wasn't working and so our our router went out so i've pretty much been working all day to fix it jesus and uh so i was on our internet provider spectrum so i was on on the phone with them and they said after an hour or two trying to troubleshoot everything I don't. Yeah.
2: Weird, what's going on?
0: <laughs> I was like, "Son of a nutcracker."
1: Well, you were completely frozen, so um, I don't you know. There? Yeah, what "son of a nutcracker" was?
0: The fact, just the fact that uh, you know, and even now, I think I'm still having connection issues. Um, oh, oh yeah. So anyway, so anyway, they were like, well, no one can come out. And I was like, well, you know, I have work to do. So I have work to do. So, how, you know, how can I fix this? How can I get this done more quicker or resolved more quickly? And they go, you can go to our store and get a new router. Yeah. So I ran down to their store, got a new router. And I was like, Target was right there. And I was like, and and Julia had taken the kids on a play date. So I was actually getting to concentrate on something, which was nice. Yeah. Because normally, you know, you can't concentrate. And so I was walking, walked into Target and I was like, this is so nice.
1: (laughs) Target's fun without kids.
0: So quiet. I was like, no one's bitching at me. No one's, no one's crying or throwing themselves down in the aisle, begging for a toy. This is awesome. And I was just listening because they had the music playing above them and stuff. I mean, above you in the store and I was walking down the row and to, to go to where the diapers were at. And it was like listening to the radio Gaga by queen. And then all of a sudden me and me and the stalker started doing a dancing montage together <laughs> as we were going down the rows, you know, moving our arms and hands and stuff. It was fun. Oh my gosh. I forgot how wonderful that feels. I, I, I told my wife, she was like, I need to run errands. And I was like, you need to go without the kids tomorrow. You'll love it. Yes. Target was epic today. Just Isn't being, it great?
1: How much stuff did you buy you didn't need while you were there? Just dancing.
0: Uh, I, I'm one of those. I have a mission, man. It's like a, like a mission. Whenever I go to a store, it's like, we're going to go in. We're going to go out. We're going to bring everyone. We're not losing anyone. Let's go. You ready? Synchronize your watches. So anyway, and you
1: didn't do that this time.
0: I didn't have to. <laughs> nice. The, uh, the, the other thing that happened this week, which was which was kind of interesting, is we've been trying to find activities for Mabel because she can be really annoying if she <laughs> doesn't have anything yeah. to uh, take down her energy level. So we put her in gymnastics. And,
1: oh, that'll be good for her.
0: And she really enjoyed it. But. I I question my parenting sometimes because there were parts when she was doing some of the moves that me and my wife were just laughing really loud because she would try to do their moves. Like she was supposed to like leapfrog over something one time. She just did a dive right over it. Just She's right into the mat. Just like face nothing. dive. Yeah. Ready to go. Hop back up. That's back perfect for it. her. But we were laughing really loud. We didn't hear any of the other parents laughing, so I kind of made us <laughs> self-conscious.
1: You're like, wait, should we be laughing? Have we done something?
0: Should we get this on video? <laughs> we could go viral. So, so getting guessing, more sleep? Uh, Kind of. No, getting used to day. no sleep. No, I'm never going to get used to that. I didn't have coffee the last two days, so I was suffering. I have coffee now because I okay. did a – had to do a run so no lives would be injured during the making of this podcast.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that because <laughs> if you yelled at me today, that'd be it. I'm sorry, I don't have much to talk I about. That. I haven't stopped uh, since the last time we spoke, and mm-hmm. of course, I had my birthday. That was a that was I stayed home because of Ice Apocalypse. So,
0: so and then that. you had Beverage Apocalypse.
1: Yeah, I drank. I drank and.
0: Well, that's good. You're able to drink. Keep your fluids up.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not mental illness.
0: (laughs) It's not addiction, damn it. I I don't have a problem. Top me off.
1: (laughs) I saw this fucking TikTok that was like uh, people with ADHD and anxiety have like uh, guilty boxes. And I was like, what is this? Are are shame boxes? And like they were opening junk drawers and then they'd have junk boxes. And it was like all these crafts and shit that they hadn't finished, but they started. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my whole house. Five,
0: four, three, two, one. Trashy Annie will be on as soon as the Internet starts working the way it's supposed to. Or maybe not. Oh, this is so oh. intense! Ah,
1: there we go. Gashi
0: Eddie, what's up? Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We are so excited to have you.
3: I am excited to be here. It's going to be fun.
0: So I started following you, and probably I noticed you jumping into my stream probably about a year and a half to two years ago, um, on Instagram primarily. So when did you like really start pushing your music thing?
3: It's really only been about that long. I, I released my first tune in November of 2020. So prior to that, I wasn't. I, I just started my Instagram account around that that time as well, because I didn't know anything about social media at all. <laughs> I was like, I never figured all of this out. And so uh, 2020 was the first tune. And then that was when, when I dove into the music world. Why, why'd you wait until 2020? That was, that was when I started playing. That was the first, I mean, I, I had been, I've, I've played trumpet in college, but then I took however many 15 years, 20 years out of music and got back into it, uh, just before that. So that was the first tune I had written and was ready to put out into the world. So that's, that's where we ended up in 2020.
0: So not to date you or anything, but I saw yeah. that you started playing guitar when you were 41.
3: Yeah, 42. Yeah, I bought my first guitar. I'm 45 now. So I bought my first guitar when I was 42, sometime mid that year and uh, started playing. And then whatever the timeline is on that, ended up putting out that tune a year and a half later, maybe.
0: So you go from trumpet, 15 year break to singer, songwriter, guitarist, extraordinaire. Is that kind of the arc?
3: I don't know about the extraordinary part, but yeah, with that, the general, those are the bullet points, yes. <laughs>
1: what, what made you decide to be a mu- musician
3: at, oh God, that would be 43? So I was a, like I say, I was a trumpet player in college and I was, I thought music was going to be my life. I was in a ton of bands. I, the way this whole story started was I was a kid growing up on food stamps and welfare and super poor, decided yeah. to teach myself how to play the trumpet to put myself through college and so that's how I ended up getting into music early on and then got close to the end of college and like what the hell am I going to do with a, a trumpet degree right, <laughs> so, right. there's not I a big call orchestra. for
0: that <laughs> right I can right. think of a so few things though
3: so. <laughs> yeah you, yeah so so I didn't want to teach and I didn't want to play in an orchestra which were kind of the, the two avenues for a trumpet player and mm-hmm. and so I uh I made a pivot and I was playing actually at that time in some ska bands and things too, which was a whole lot of fun. Anyway, a lot of things happened around that time in my life and I decided to get out of music for a period of time. Um, and then just never went back to it and, uh, went off into the world and ended up starting a company and getting into the business world and doing something entirely unrelated to music. And then a couple of few years ago kind of got, suckered back into pulling out my horn and dusting that thing off and going and playing with these guys out in Arizona. And, uh, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll do it just this once, you know, I haven't played that thing in forever. And, uh, and then I just remembered how much I loved it. And so I got back into music and went home, bought a drum kit because that's what I'd really always wanted to play with drums. And so I bought a drum kit, started teaching teach myself drums and then bought a guitar and started the guitar thing and then got back, you know, kind of started this whole, cycle into music and learning how to play and write and sing and do all these other things.
0: So how did Trashy Annie come to life? Where did you decide you know I can do combat boots glitter, cocktail dresses where did that come from that whole thing? I think I have an idea but I'm I want you to tell everyone else where Trashy Annie came from the uh, extraordinaire the uh, great singer songwriter. (laughs)
3: yeah there's a story behind that so like I said I had bought all of these things and started teaching myself how to play and been in quarantine you know this was all kind of COVID was hitting around all the time that I was starting to get get sort of my songwriting songwriting legs under me and all this stuff and uh and so I had right before COVID hit I had gone and started to take lessons at a place called Eastside Music School about production. And I wanted to learn about mixing. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what an XLR cable was. I didn't know anything about anything. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna learn all this stuff. So I learned a lot about production and co-produced this first tune of mine, Running. I had written that song all in one chord because that's all it could play when I wrote it. And so I had written, you know, the whole goal with writing that tune originally was to overcome this fear of singing in front of people. Because I had never sung in front of anybody ever, never done karaoke, none of it. I was like, this is the most terrifying thing I can imagine. So I thought, I'm going to gonna conquer this. I'm going to go sing at an open mic. I'm going to write a song, and I'm going to do this and just check that bar. Well, then I did all that, and I was like, well, this isn't so bad. You know, I kind of love the songwriting thing and singing in front of people is not so bad. So ended up uh, putting that tune out. Again, got it on Spotify. was super proud of it. And I decided I was going to make a music video to go on YouTube with it. And it was, like I said, quarantine was in full effect at this point. So I couldn't go out and do anything out in the world. I had to just work with what I had living out here in the country. Bought a bunch of crazy clothes and, you know, went to Goodwill and got all the glittery things I could find and raided my closet, whatever. So made this, this music video myself and edited it and did all the stuff. And put it on YouTube. And I was super proud of it. And then, you know, social media comes rearing in and this horrible woman gets on there, and writes, You know, are those clothes a little young for you? And I was like, Ugh. and I had put this song out under Annie Davis. And, uh, and so I decided at that time, there was this short period that evening of just kind of wallowing, you know, in my own head, like, Oh, yeah, maybe she's right. This is so stupid. What am I doing? know, yeah, this is crazy. And then I completely rebounded out of that mindset and said, you know, screw this lady. I'm going to wear what I want. I'm gonna, who, why does she have to be so judgy about something like the clothes I wear, right? And so if she thinks I'm trashy just because I wear glittery clothes and I'm too old for that, then so be it. Maybe that's what I am. And so I ended up coming up with that with the band name. And that's why, uh, that's why Trashy Annie is a band now.
0: <laughs> Can you explain uh, what you did as a co-producer on the first song?
3: Well, a lot of that was a learning process. And so there's a great team over there at Eastside Music. And and we sat down. There's a guy named Austin Sisler that was kind of my main sidekick on that tune. And we sat down and, and did the whole thing together. So basically, I wrote the song. I did it with my one chord. I wrote the melody, whatever, came into the studio. And then he would teach me about, okay, this is how we track all of these parts. And then I took all of that stuff home, took the demo home, fiddled with it, put all kinds of fun plugins and electronic stuff on top of it and reworked some of the the pieces and the melody and everything. I work inside of Logic at home, Logic Pro. So I took, um, so I took all that back to the studio and then he and I would sit with it and add some sound effects here and there and just do the whole production thing. Um, and then he mixed it, and I was really proud of it. I was happy with how it came out. You know, I listened to it, and I can tell it's my first song. I can tell, you know, there's a lot that, that probably could be done better if I were to do it over again, but I really, I liked how it turned out. So I think it, it was a really cool process to go through, too, because it helped me expand my understanding of my own writing and how important it is for me to have a, an impact on the way the song turns out. So, Annie, what I really like about, What I'm
1: hearing from you is you didn't just decide, oh, I want to take my music knowledge and learn all these cool things. You also dipped into editing, producing, making a video that is really admirable. Not a lot of people go past the singer songwriter point like that, except Brent. Well, not except Brent, but Brent's also an exception. (laughs) Um, What do you like most? Do you like the writing or the performing or
3: the producing or is it all just one ball of fun for you? I think a lot of it is one ball of fun, actually. I think that uh, because I spent so much time in the business world before coming back to music, it's completely reframed the way that I look at music versus where I was when I was twenty. You know, and and looking at music very kind of, um, I don't know, there just there what I didn't have as broad an understanding of everything that goes into creating a successful song, uh, like I do now. And so I think I enjoy. I definitely enjoy the writing probably first and foremost. That's the thing that got me to go to that open mic that first day and sing is that I, I, as scared as I was of that process, it was more important to me that I had written something myself and felt like I had something to say. And so I thought, you know, if I've got something to say, I got to figure out how to say it. And that means I got to learn how to sing. And so I'm still a work in progress on that for sure, but it's been an important part of that journey is learning how to shape my songs so that they have the emotion behind them that they need to have to convey the feeling or the message I want. And I think that if you sort of hand off your tunes to someone else to fully produce them and aren't involving yourself in that process, you can lose some of what that is, uh, at least from my perspective. And so that's why I think I like the production side, too, is I want to be there through the process of the song to make sure it comes out on the other end with the emotion that I want from it.
1: With what you hear in your head, like that's your song. Yep. 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 Walk yeah. me through what your songwriting process is like. Do you start with
3: like a lyric or is it a melody? How, how does a it? A lot of times it, it it changes. A lot of times they come together though. I do spend a lot of time driving. I have a lot of time on the road. Uh, so I write a lot of songs on the road because it's kind of a di- distraction-free environment. And so a lot of times the lyrics and the chorus tend to kind of come together and then I'll build around that seed. But the other way that I write is I'm just, I can be a forced extrovert. I can do the whole song and dance, get out, talk to people, do the whole thing. But it exhausts me. I come home and I fall flat at the end of the day. So, yes. so tired, of, right? So I think because truly in my real self, I'm an introvert. I'm a big observer of the world. And so the, the reason that I love writing so much is because I've ever since I was a kid, I, I always wrote poetry as a kid. And so I think I just look, I, I would rather sit in the corner at a party and watch people than go interact with anybody, you know, and people want to come over and talk to me because they think that I'm lonely, but I'm really not. I just like watching what's going on. So I think that that's why the writing um, is so, so fun for me is it's just, in, you know, it's an observation of the world around me. And so I think that's what, that's how the writing process started for me was just thinking, oh, I've got something to say about this person or this scenario or this
0: thing in my head or whatever. Do you have any co writers you work with?
3: That's a good question. I really don't right now. I, I'm not, I'm not um, against collaborative process at all. I just, I, like I say, I, the, the writing process to me is such an important piece of what music is right now that I kind of love it. And I, it's not that I'm not into the idea of getting together with people and writing together, I think that that's something that is definitely in my near future. But up until this point, I just had so many things in my head. I kind of wanted to get out, and I just felt like I could, I could kind of do it. And so now, once I get to the point of having a general melody and the lyrics in mind and all of that stuff, then whoever we bring in on the production side, certainly, you know, I'm I'm open to all the ideas of how those things should go. Um, but, but yeah, so far I've just been kind of a, kind of solo on the on the writing situation.
0: The, the reason I'm asking is because you're a good storyteller. Like, yeah, the words you use and how you approach the song is really good. And so, let's just go ahead and talk about Love You, Love You Back. Can you kind of explain how that song was written and what it was about?
3: Yeah, that tune, that tune's kind of an oddball for me because it's a love song and I just don't write love songs. It's not, I have. I was telling somebody else this and during an interview. I I have love in a lot of my songs, but it's not lovey dovey love. It's usually love, you know, wrapped in grief or you know, (laughs) sadness or whatever. Yeah, there's always there's just something else to it usually. But love you love you back is a is a tune about just loving somebody kind of for who they are and not expecting them to be anything but who they are. And uh and I and I love it. I think it's a cool tune. I think it's fun, and I'm 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 proud of that one. I like it a lot, and so I. Uh, but yeah, that's it's a love song, and it's like I say, it's kind of a purple unicorn in the rest of my writing because a lot of my writing's kind of dark and gritty, and that one's just a happy
0: love song. When when I first heard that, it reminded me of a Poison song. It had the beat kind of like a Cry Tough by Poison. And I was like, mm-hmm. this sounds very familiar, because it like took me back. I was like, whoa, what am I listening? What now, do I have the right one on? And then he got into it, and you have a great voice. It's kind of yes. a Deanna Carter-style vocal. You don't do the Whitney Houston stuff, but you have like a good storyteller voice. It's really rich. The harmonics at the end of the first chorus, and then the band jumps in. That's really cool on that song. Is that stuff that happens in the studio, or is that stuff you're like, oh, and I want to I rest here and then blow in the whole band and see what happens, or do you do that?
3: Not in the studio so much. That tune in particular and that stuff, that was stuff that I had gone in, I think really early on, I had gone in uh, to Eastside Music to just jam a little bit with Austin, who also plays guitar, and the drummer, uh, Sam, that used to be around there. So we would get in there and we would just kind of, I would say, Hey, here's the tune. Let's play it. And because I can't play lead guitar and obviously can't play drums at the same time, do all this stuff. So we would just jam kind of like a band, even though they weren't, they weren't my band. They were just kind of people that I was like, I'll, I'll pay to come in and, and have a session and we'll just jam a little bit and see what comes out of it. So a lot of good stuff came out of those kinds of sessions. And then I would go home and make all the notes of, okay, I like this. I didn't like this, whatever, and kind of put it all together and then come back and say, okay, let's try it. And then it was, it would come out much more scripted, like you're what you're talking about. And I say, okay, I want those harmonics here, and I want the big, uh, the um, that tune. So we recorded it. I took it up to Nashville and uh, recorded it with some amazing musicians up there. I mean, the guys from the Wallflowers play on it, and oh, nice. uh, there's just, yeah, the, like Faith Hill's drummer I think plays on that one. Anyway, there's just a, a big group of really, really good Nashville musicians that play on this. These next couple of tunes that are going to be released. But I had to, you know, it was my job to make sure that as great as they are as musicians, that the feel was right. And we had to go through that tune a couple of times to really get, I had to, I came home and actually recorded my own percussion and tambo and all that stuff because it just wasn't where I wanted it to be. So like I say, I'm really, for better or worse, really involved in the process. I'm sure a lot of people don't <laughs> like that, but I, I know what I want for the tune. And I think as a result, it came out with the feel that I wanted for it.
1: I think that makes you a really good songwriter because not a lot of people will stick through it. They're like, this is what I want. And then somebody else will take it, like you said earlier, and then they kind of change it. It's like, well, it's good. So I'm good with it. But it wasn't what they wanted. Like sometimes having that control is really important. On the flip
3: side of that, though, I didn't send you guys Nuclear Meltdown, but Nuclear Meltdown was my second release after running after that one chord tune. And that tune on the flip side and kind of an example of how things can really go in a great direction. If I do give up the reins a little bit, that tune was really kind of half baked when I took it to the studio that I used, which was a couple of couple of um, great musicians out in Arizona. And so I took it in. I was like, here's the bones. I don't really know where this tune needs to go, but I know I like the lyrics and I know I like the feel. And this is what I want. And then they got we all got together and just kind of jammed it out. And it turned into what it what it ended up being. And they had a lot of collaborative process on the musical side of that tune. And I think it came out so great because of that. So I think I kind of know which songs of mine I'm really going to stick to. This is what I want. And which ones I come in kind of half-baked and say, hey, let's you know, let's see what you guys think on the melody.
2: We don't need a dirt road to make our getaway, honey. We got every star in every sky. We don't need a lantern to light our on the way, honey. We got every little firefly. We don't need a path to the top of every hill over trail that we know will cut through. Don't need nothing but your hand cause I just wanna get along with you. So you bring the rock, I'll make
0: So basically, you're going to Nashville and Arizona to work on these songs, or how how do you end up going to Arizona or Nashville to get this stuff done? What's driving that?
3: Starting all of this process, especially during COVID, it was really hard to find studios to, to even answer my messages, you know, and I knew I needed a good studio. I knew I needed... good musicians to play some this was well before i found any of my bandmates and so i was trying to find session musicians that were good and so i was working with these guys in arizona just through some connections out that way and uh the way that the like i say that was my second tune and then that studio kind of fell apart and so i couldn't continue to do more music with them and then right around that time when i was looking for another studio even looking locally in austin uh, Dean Miller, who's Roger Miller's son from like con- country music hall of mm-hmm. fame world. Uh, he reached out and said, Hey, I heard some of your stuff online. You know, do you, I think maybe you should think about Nashville uh, coming up here and working with us on your next few tunes. And so it just was fortuitous timing wise. And I uh, ended up being a great experience going up there and working with those guys. So I'm really in the process right now of finding kind of the perfect situation working with, you know, which studios are best, which, Co-producers are best, which you know, musicians do I want playing on? I'm, I'm still going through that learning process right now because I think the more people you work with, the more chance you find really the golden, you know, uh, chemistry. Situation.
0: You talked about the songwriting part. And so do you have your back end all ready in case you hit big? Because I can see you because of what you have going. You know, you have these, these next set of songs are really good. Not that your other ones weren't good, but you've upped your Annie as far. ha. ha, ha.
1: <laughs> Pun intended.
0: <laughs> um, but but you've really increased your production value and stuff like that. So do you have the back end of your music taken care of?
3: So I didn't know anything about any of that stuff, right? I was like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I've just barely learned how to play guitar. And so I have all these questions about all of these things that you're talking about. However, like I said, being a business person, it's definitely all of these are things that at least are on my radar now because I started thinking about this too. I was like, Hey, what if we, what if we do hit, you know, then, then what? And so we were actually playing a show uh, last summer, I think. And there was a guy there uh, named AG and he, he said, you know, I think you guys got something. I want to talk to you. And so we ended up continuing the conversation. And so he ended up signing us just, or signing me, I guess, just recently to a, um, uh, to a publishing and distribution deal and merch deal, that kind of thing. He wanted to do a full full record deal, but I I'm still of the mindset that I want to maintain control of my music and my masters and all of that until I'm really a little further down this road um, and can kind of understand where it's going and you know whether what the opportunities are going to be. But I do, but I did know to your point that I needed help understanding the publishing side and the distribution side and the merch side. All those things he's great at. So now I do have somebody handling that, which I think is, is very cool. And that has just been a very recent thing. So I'm excited about it.
0: So, so is he like a record company or exactly what is he?
3: Yeah, they've got a, their 1836 is a a record label, small record label in Austin. They were bigger in the hip hop world. And then I think, I don't know his whole backstory, but I think he took some time kind of away from it all and then got back into and is rebuilding his artist roster and kind of his, uh, getting back into that all that stuff again so like cool. i say, his his genre is really more in the hip-hop world but he heard us play and he's like you yeah, guys we, we should probably talk so <laughs>
1: it's- he knew a, a good too. he knew a good thing when he heard it that crosses I all think genres that. I think <laughs> absolutely let's talk about another song let's talk about Juliet. i really really like that song tell me about how that came to be
0: that's a naughty song very naughty
1: love it it's so good, though, right? It's so fucking that. good. I, I don't even <laughs> have any... I don't even have any... I don't even need to pick it apart or talk about it. It's just
3: good. Like, Thanks. I, uh, I wrote that song in, like, two hours. It was one of those that just kind of came out, and I don't even know why. I just... Uh, I started putting it together, and I can't even tell you where the idea came from. It was just one of those things that kind of sparked a... I think I saw somebody... Somewhere, like I say, shopping at the Walmart or something. It made me think, okay, we got a scrappy girl here who's making it work no matter what, you know, and she's going to do what she's got to do to pay the bills and get shit done in her life. And uh, it just, that's why, it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's
1: why I felt it. Yeah. I felt it. I was like, yes, so, yes, yes. So my I favorite,
0: <laughs> my favorite line is I ain't playing hard to get just pay. What, what is it? I ain't playing hard to get. What's the second part? Just,
3: just paint my window and pay my debt <laughs> and i'll do yeah this. that's good <laughs>
0: and then the other one is hold me down and make me sweat that is just yeah. dirty i love it i i wish you know, i would have wrote that
3: it's so fucking it's, good thank you it's really funny because we'll play that in all these places right and there's all these kids dancing around like it's the teletubbies you know they love it <laughs> and they all these songs about huggers and blow and they have no idea but i uh, <laughs> i think that's what's what i like about that tune myself is that it feels like this kind of happy just you know fun song and then you listen to the words you're like holy shit like this, yeah. is- <laughs> this has got some genius yeah. to the words yeah. So, yeah
0: yeah i loved it that you worked <laughs> in blow on the yeah. ver- first verse and the second verse i was like oh my gosh
3: I think it's funny that my band gives me said shit because I talk about a pound of blow. They're like, that's a whole lot of blow. I'm like, well, I I know, but it still sounds good right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> rhymes. <laughs> Leave me
3: alone. <laughs> yeah, it works great.
0: It works fine. It. It's fine.
2: <laughs> they got me down in Mexico. With an ounce of weed and a pound of blow They kept my hand and broke my toe Sent me running on back to the barrio They got me down in we With a see-through dress and a bill to pay They slapped my wrist and sent me home Said, I guess you ain't made me
1: Are you you able to play now?
3: Drums, guitar, trumpet? Play well or just, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a a jack of all trades master of none. But what I think is important is understanding a a cursory, you, you need to understand, I think, at a cursory level, instruments that you're trying to guide in a band. So if I want to, if it were a, a band where everybody came in and we all just wrote our own parts and everybody just kind of collaborated on the songwriting piece. And that was the way that everything always went. That'd be one thing. But again, I have these ideas for these tunes where I, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes I want that, but a lot of the time I'm like, this is what I want. And if I can't play the instrument, it's very hard for me to guide that person and what I'm looking for, especially like a drum groove. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think that's part of what keeps me working on all these instruments aside from drums. I just love the drum, but, uh, but I play a little bit of drums. I play, I play little keys, just enough to, you know, write and clink around, play a little bit of, I can, I, I'm really not good on the bass, but I at least understand the idea. play a little bit of ukulele. Like, you know, I just, I dabble on a lot of things. I'm constantly buying new instruments because I just, every time I pick up a new instrument, it makes me think of a different type of song. So I think it expands my songwriting capabilities to just sit down on something besides a guitar.
0: Yeah, because I'm counting
3: 10 guitars right now. I'm sorry, Brent. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I got a lot of guitars.
0: Because you you can't approach it the same way. You can't, like, if you're playing a piano, that's a different fit. You're holding yourself differently. You play mando. You play cello. Do you use your theory from playing trumpet to explain what is going on musically to the people you're working with?
3: I find that that... One, there's a lot I've forgotten, but two, I also find that that doesn't work very well because a lot of people, what I'm actually running into is I sit down and I write music around the melody and it doesn't always fit what people have in their minds that it should be. Right. They think to they think 12 bar blues is 12 bar. Like you got to do it the way that you do it. And I kind of have the mindset that it's just music and you do what the song needs. You serve the song, not try to fit yourself into a box just because the 12 bar blues are the 12 bar blues um, and they have their place. Everything has its place, but I tend to not write in a regimented way because I, I feel like I want to write around the melody because that's to me what's most important. And so I think when I'm trying to communicate this stuff to my band, what I've been told from all the people that have played with me in this last year and a half or so is that your songs are weird because they sound easy and they're only a few chords and you get into them and you realize that you don't mess around. You, you mess around with the timing. You you use very traditional chord changes, but the timing is funky and, and when you change and when you move around, but then once you understand the way that I write, then they, they like it. It, it, it becomes cool. And I had, one of the uh, like really amazing acoustic guitar player up in uh, Nashville, like incredible player plays on all kinds of stuff up there. And he told me that he said, I love the way you write. He used to work with Townsman Zandt, And he said, it reminds me of that because he didn't feel like he was constrained by theory and the way that things are supposed to work. He just wrote around the song and the way that he heard it in his head. And I think for better or worse, you know, some people don't, don't dig it. And I've certainly had people join in the band and be like, eh, you know, they need a little bit more regimented changes that are a little more traditional. Um, but I like it. And I think it's okay to kind of have my own thing going. So that's where we are with that.
0: I can relate to that. I have a lot of problems with drummers. Drummers drive me crazy because I'll be like, no, it's this. (laughs) And drummers are just like, they need it to be a certain way, but then they're the flakiest people on the planet. They are every single one I've ever met. Oh, I, how does the drum part go? I don't know. Work it out. Cause then when you start telling them, they go, well, no, that's not how it's supposed to go. And I'm like, why are we even talking about this then? If you already know it, <laughs> you know, drummers this, drive me drum crazy. Piece
3: is, it's so important, you it's, know, because it makes or breaks a tune. If they don't have the right groove is, or if it's too fast or too slow by even a, a notch, you know, it can really be, really changed the feel. In fact, we did a couple of tunes up in Nashville where I just ended up having to kind of scrap them and come back and we're going to have to redo them because, and I'll do them with a different crew. Cause I just don't think it was quite the right, you know, to the, the discussion earlier, you got to find the right people for the tune. Um, but, uh, but it, the, the tempo was just a little too slow and it turned a song that was supposed to have kind of this driving, you know, constant sort of thumping feel into this kind of slow groovy thing. Um, if there were a drug, it's supposed to be maybe meth and it turned into opium, you know, and that's a very uh, different feel for a song. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's just kind of, um, that's, and that has so much to do with what the drummer's doing. You know, I think yes. the, what the drummer was doing, kind of everybody else worked around that and it turned out cool, but it didn't turn out the way that I wanted the song to feel. And that really had a lot to do with the drums. So yeah, I think that uh, really having a good connection with your drummer and under, you know, being able to work together is such an important piece of it
0: like, I didn't really start doing music again until I was 41. Like that was when I was saying, you know, I had lost everything. And so then I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to play and I'm going to play every day and I'm going to do, do my music thing. And so I started doing that because I was finally free to do it. And, and it's what I always wanted to do. And I still maintained, uh, you know, my day job because I needed to pay, you know, take care of the kids and take care of a place to live and be those able to real. be able to buy new guitars and stuff like that. So what I know we're going back to the beginning, but what pushed you to what from the business and you just going over there? You said I went and played with these guys in Arizona and then I just decided I liked it again and wanted to play. Was there any like pivot point outside of playing with those guys that made you? Come back to it.
3: Like an aha moment. Yeah. Nah, man. It was the, well, the so the the guys that I went and played with, there was a uh there's a band out of Arizona called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. They're an Americana band. <gasps> I and love they, them. You, oh. Yeah, right? The refreshments. So, the refreshments, yeah, exactly. So their drummer. So I'm buddies with him, and he hey, had- I can't hear soul. what you're saying.
0: It just froze up. Oh my gosh, you have, have to, to wait. That's
3: his favorite
1: band. You're gonna you have, have to, to repeat it all. <laughs>
0: That's his gonna favorite band fucking, in the
3: whole world.
0: <laughs> you have to repeat it all. I'm sorry. Okay. Right okay, now, we'll my computer. Back. Okay, go ahead. Okay, right. okay. Okay, go ahead.
3: So here.
0: You good? <laughs> go. <laughs> Hurry.
3: Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs>
3: so So uh, the uh, so the the drummer has a side band called the Strolling Bones, or did like pre COVID. I don't. It's probably not around P-H- really anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he, uh, so he and the guys from the black moods and from dead hot workshop and this whole oh, little crew of God. people that all kind of pile around together, uh, had this band and, and they were like, I'll oh, come out and play your trumpet for with the strolling bones band. I'm like, uh, you know, but I was like, well, these guys are like famous. So I'm going to, I'll do I'm it. Going. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and oh, that's what I thought, you know, if nothing else, it'll be a good story. If I'm, if I make an ass of myself, well, I went out there and, uh, went to the rehearsal, and the trumpet players that are from a band called the johns out of tucson they were uh they were there to play with the peacemakers and they they're like oh you're not you're not so bad we should teach you the the songs for the peacemakers i was like well okay you know again like gotta be a good start. so i find myself after not playing for like 15 years on a stage in mexico for circus Mexicus playing for you know Thousands of people with RCPM, and that was so. When you asked what the moment was, that was the moment. I was like, I really miss music a lot, and it wasn't about being in front of a giant crowd or I was super nervous. I was so nervous, my hands were shaking. You know, oh, for you sure. Pee yourself a little about, bit? Did you pee yourself the, a little
0: in,
3: bit? Yeah, I mean, don't we always? You know, <laughs> exciting, <fantastic. laughs> for sure. a yeah. So yeah, it's, so yeah, it was a um, but it was a very cool experience. And then I got to play some more shows with them over over the next couple years or whatever and I had a great time doing it but what I loved about that experience with those guys was that it was the energy of a band working together that just they don't they've been playing together 30 years they don't even have to look at each other they just know what's going on and then when somebody does something there's a there's a non-verbal cue and everybody adapts and I I thought that was such a cool thing that I missed from being in bands back in the day was just that kind of that working together as a team to make something really cool happen and you get this crowd that's all excited about it and and I think that uh that energy is something that has just been lacking in the rest of my work life for a long time and so that was the pivoting moment it's like I miss music I was I was meant to be in the music world and I I wish you know there's a lot of me to say I wish I would have stuck with it back then and but it was it was a different world you know playing is a very different world to being apparently not glad to
0: have Apparently not. Cause you're playing with the rock band and not just any rock band. Roger yeah. Clyde. You lucky son of a buck. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 So pH is the one who plays on nuclear meltdown. So that's he was one of the guys out in Arizona when I was like, I'm going to go out there and work on some music. So he and some guys that he works with out there were the ones who helped me on nuclear meltdown. So yeah. So it's a cool small world web of connections with everybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it got me back into music and I just dove right on in head first. Cause I love it. And I lo- found out, I didn't know I loved songwriting, I sure am glad I found it. doesn't matter you know, how old I am or whatever. I I'm just glad I'm here now. <laughs> I am so you are, jealous. You are I am so
0: jealous. Cool. <laughs> so jealous. Golly, that's so awesome. That, that, I mean, if you're going to have a pivotal moment in your life,
1: that's a good one.
0: Let's just make that one be it. You know, exactly. outside of Jesus turning water into wine, I think for me that would be it. You know. Yeah, I'm sure I will
3: yeah. play a show with those guys at some point. I'll make sure
0: that you get to come. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, she, she would
3: happen. lose his mind, right?
0: Yeah. I will I'm have to sure. wear I'm depend sure undergarments, man. <laughs> no,
1: I can't.
0: I would be uh, going from the so front good. and the back, man. Oh. It would just. Sorry, that's disgusting. That but was it's... a visual.
1: Thanks so much for that. We all. You're welcome. Super duper. You're um, welcome. So let's talk about the final song, uh, Knock Knock. Oh, yeah. No, knock, that's knock. A, I know that's cool. a
3: that's a newer one. Yeah, it's not out yet, but it will be uh, probably as the next release. It's a um, very different, you know, than the Like I say, I enjoy writing. I enjoy the writing process. And I think that I am all over the place with the kind of music that I write. I have some really sad acoustic songs that are going to come out at some point. And then I've got stuff like knock, knock. That's like kind of a rock tune, right? Not even kind of, definitely a rock tune. Um, But uh, that tune is about all the head garbage. You know, you just, as, as creatives, we all get this. Like we are up in the middle of the night thinking about all the things you shouldn't be thinking about. And the head is spinning all the time. And you know, my best songs I write at, like I say, either on the road or at two o'clock in the morning, just when I should be sleeping. So um that tune is is kind of about that about all the stuff that just keeps telling you you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or you know all the things that are wrong with you and you just gotta kind of push it back and fight it and keep the door closed and not let them in so that's what that tune's about so I like it i like the I like the groove to it I think it's like I say it's completely different yeah. um than the other that, two so that's
0: probably my favorite song uh, Thanks. uh after there's one other one that's my favorite, but I'll talk about that one later um. But that one is cool because that could be, I could just see that, you know, you're opening for Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And that's the song you want to come out with. That is the, yeah. just, it just grooves and it grabs you and it just makes you want to go kick some ass, you know, a yeah. party ass. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it grabs you. My favorite lyric is, I saw the monster through the hole in my head.
3: That's my favorite lyric too, actually. And, and you know, that you mentioned that, that is, that will be the, once I press a full album of tunes, that'll be the first tune on the album. And that is the song that we open with almost every time because it's such a good opener. We just make a big old amount of racket and then drop into that beat. And it's, it's a really fun opener.
0: It's, it's, it's a great opening song. As soon as I heard it, I was be like, I was like, Oh man, I need to write a song like this because, This just demands your attention as soon as you start hearing it, because it just it steps up and smacks you in the face and says, let's have a good time.
3: Yeah, I think it I think so, too. And I think what's cool. So they they I got a message not too long ago about a radio station up in Boston playing nuclear meltdown on their on their station. And it was a New Year's Eve show. And so I tuned in. I was listening to the show. And it was all hard rock. It was like hard rock, hard rock, hard rock. And then Nuclear Meltdown is in there. I'm like, that's really cool. We're on a hard rock station because, you know, Juliet is going to be on who knows what, you know, country, music, Americana. whatever it's going to be. It, yeah. Americana, right? Exactly. So I can see a place for Knock Knock and kind of that hard rock world too. And I think that that's something that I sort of aspire to is being able to cross genres and not, mm-hmm. and not have it be a bad thing. You know, yeah. being able to say we've got some stuff in the, in the acoustic uh, singer songwriter world and in the hard rock world. Cause so yeah. that's not a thing that a lot of people do.
2: They said I saw a monster crawling underneath
0: Yeah. What I did, what I, what I do is I write down, okay, all the types of songs I want to write. And, and I just check them off as I write them, you know, like I have a bluegrass yeah. song, which is totally bluegrass, which is not in my wheelhouse. All. It's like down the street around the corner in the crack house, because I'm, I can't play that fast. Those dudes can haul. And I like, got involved yeah. with all these real people and I was talking to AJ and he was like, Okay, is this a pretend bluegrass song or is this really a bluegrass song? And so I was like, no, it's really a bluegrass song and he's like, okay, you need blah 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 blah. And so we went and got the I went and got the right people. He got a fiddle player, I got a banjo player. And it's just fun to do that, but but I'm kind of like that too when I write. I don't want to I don't not all my songs are going to make the light of day because let's face it, I have more turds than I do <laughs> great things but you have to you have to kiss a lot of frogs to to be able to produce anything worthwhile and that's kind of cool because you're one of the first people that I've heard that does not allow themselves to be stuck in one thing you know one style of music and I think that's really cool and that's going to help you as a songwriter not as a front person per se but if you have a diverse songwriting there's always going to be work for you because then whatever's popular is going to bubble up.
3: Yeah. And I think that there's one thing on the gigging side, we just did a tour out to uh, South Carolina and Georgia area, just a little short one. And uh, what I learned from that was the stuff that worked in one venue and for one crowd was different than the next crowd in the next venue because we were playing places that were, you know, a full stage with a cool like bump in younger crowd. And then we Mm -hmm. played, in a really nice wine restaurant in the corner is a duo. And I could, it was really nice to be able to pick different songs and place them according to the crowd. And I think when you're talking about being able to work, you know, having that kind of diversity helps too, because I enjoy it all. I enjoy the, the sitting in a corner, playing singer songwriter stuff. I love that. You know, it's not the same as rocking out on the stage, you know, with all the full the band, but it's, but it, it does have its place and I enjoy it. So yeah, I think, I think the diversity thing is something that I'm, I'm married to, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I could take it or leave it as I go learn through this process with writing and producing and everything else. But that piece of things, I think that's part of me. It's just the diversity in songwriting. All
0: right. Well, we'd like to thank Trashini for joining us today on the sound pollution podcast.
1: It was wonderful having you with us, Uh, folks. Please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, download, and share. The more shares and downloads, the better that we are going to do and the more we are going to be able to do fun things with you.
0: Yes, and uh, if you want to post a comment or, you know, interact with us at all, we greatly appreciate that. We do interact back, so... But it sometimes
1: takes us a minute because we have families in multiple jobs now
0: but sometimes it doesn't so don't be afraid if it's immediate and don't be yeah. terrified
1: and i think and i think that's it again thank you annie for being on the show we enjoyed having you we hope you come back get out there and make some
2: noise make some
0: noise